Welcome to Punches and Punchlines, where we break down the best in boxing with a sense of humor. And now, your hosts, Fritz and Franco. Welcome back, everyone, to this week's edition of Punches and Punchlines. Thanks again for joining in this week. We do appreciate you hanging out with us and uh, chatting boxing with us. It's a glorious sport, and we got to see one of the best in the world take on a big challenge last weekend, Franco, and it didn't go. It didn't go great for him. No, it didn't. I'm still going through the uh, seven stages of grief right now. I'm in uh, in the fourth one. I'm in depression right now, Fritz. Franco's in the morning stage. Uh, I am not. I uh, <laughs> I thought it was a good fight that, you know, we'll get into it in a minute. But uh, I also won five bucks, Franco. You know what I mean? So you got to be happy about that. No. Five bucks is no. uh, five bucks. So <laughs> we'll go into uh, that and the undercard. You ready? Yeah, let's do this. Dimitri Bival, 31 years old, coming in at 19 and 0 versus Canelo Alvarez. 31 years old, coming in at 57, 1, and 2. Now, there was a lot of talk before this fight uh, ever even took place, Franco. There was uh, all the buzz of the boxing world. Canelo is the pound-for-pound best, and he stepped up a weight class and took on one of the best at 175, and he did not have it on Saturday night. Everything that Bivol was trying, he was having really good success. He was just patient, and his patience paid off, dude, because whenever Canelo would you know, rush forward and try to land some big shots, he would pivot out of the way and get back to the center of the ring. Throughout this fight, he was landing some really nice combinations. I couldn't believe that, one, all three, all three judges agreed, yeah. <laughs> and that all three judges, I think, had shit scorecards. I think... You know, going into probably the 10th that Canelo was going to need a knockout in order to to secure a victory because I don't know. I mean, there were certainly some close rounds early on where I just assumed they were going to Canelo. But after that, you know, B-Wall was really having some great success. I'm not going to bitch about the scorecards. I won't do that. That's not what this is about. This is about a dude stepping up to be great, daring to be great, and just came up a little short. That shit happens. I would much rather have a dude take on a challenge and lose than just fight a guy who they know is another W on their record. Yeah, I, I never happened, Fritz. The fight didn't happen. Uh, anybody who missed it, you didn't miss anything because the fight never happened. It just, uh, Canelo is still the greatest. Uh, Baval is waiting for the fight to happen. It got moved to next weekend. I don't know if oh, you knew that. It, um, right. What we saw was a simulation of yeah. what they think would happen. It hurt so bad for it to, to watch my favorite boxer, Canelo, not do enough work. He was trying. It's All just- right, Punch of Maniacs, you heard it here first. He's jumped off the Triple G bandwagon. Uh, He used to claim Triple G is his favorite. Now he just said here in this May of 2022 that Canelo is his favorite. What's a Triple G? I've never even heard of that guy. I think he fought. (laughs) I think he fought the greatest uh, Canelo at one point. No, it. uh, I I don't know. It was it was a good fight. Baval looked great. He wasn't letting anything through. His defense was impenetrable. It was just on another level. And it wasn't even that there was some kind of crazy skill involved. He just had a game plan 
that he had planned out for exactly what he was going to do. And then he stuck to it. At no point did he take the bait from Canelo. Canelo would try to bait him to come in and he wasn't taking it. He looked so good. Yeah, he was like a robot or a serial killer, you know, like just zero emotion and was going through exactly what he wanted to. When Canelo tried to wave him in, like, come on, let's do this. He was like, I'm still standing right here, dude. You know, come on in, come on in again and I'll light you up. I'm not going to just put my chin out so you can uh, land the uppercut and knock me into the third row, which to Canelo's credit, that was the one punch that he was landing a few times was uh, he'd get through a decent uppercut. He seemed to abandon the body in the middle of the fight. I don't know why. When a guy's that much taller than you, go to the body and bring him down to your level. He abandoned it because he couldn't get to it. He just kept punching him in the arm. He tried to hit the body. And he couldn't right. get through. And I loved that the end people was like, uh, it's better that he broke my arm than my head, you know? Yeah. And uh, believe me, I've said this before. I'm not making fun of anybody that can speak more languages than I do. But I love that that's exactly word for word how he said it. You know, I'm sure he might have put it different in his native tongue, but the, it still made exact amount of sense uh, in his translation to English of uh, better <laughs> break my arm than my head. Yeah. Very true. Yeah. And, you know, it felt different from the very, very beginning. Like this wasn't in Dallas in the Jerry Dome with 100,000 people. It's a smaller venue, still a big venue, but a smaller venue. They're in Vegas. They still had the mariachis. They played the final countdown. Uh, I wish was completed right there. You know, it's like they heard my make a wish. And they're like, I'm like, I, I loved the mariachis and I loved when they played final countdown. And then when they went into it, I was like, oh, this. This is already a win for me. I don't I can throw away my bet slips. I've already won. Well, it, it was the, the usual uh, Canelo entrance with the dancers and the pyro. And he came out on a little lift elevator like he was Cody Rhodes in AEW. It was it was good. They had a sponsor. Hennessy sponsored the ring walk, which Absolutely. That, that's different. But hey, get your money however you can. But then the fight started. And, you know, the the ring walk felt a little bit smaller because it was a smaller venue. And then Canelo, to me, at least from the very beginning, looked different. His head movement didn't look the same as it usually does. He wasn't bobbing and weaving the way he usually does. He had a really high guard that he held up for way too long, I thought. And then it just, I don't know, he, he wasn't landing stuff. Everything was catching on Baval's gloves. Baval was snapping Canelo's head back, which that's something different that we don't usually see. It kind of reminded me of Teofimo versus Lomachenko, where Loma just took too long to get started, except that Canelo never got started. Like we kept waiting for like, oh, here it comes. Here comes Canelo. And then it didn't happen. He just all of a sudden the fight ended and it went to the cards. And like you said, it was a lot closer from the judges than it should have been. But the right guy won. I can't even argue it. I would have I would have said, oh, yeah, Canelo took it if I thought that it was even kind of close. There was no way. Even Canelo knew afterwards. He's like, you know, they're like, oh, what did you think? And he goes, yeah, I lost. Like, what? That's boxing, boxing, you know? know? If you don't risk a loss, are you really winning? You know what I mean? I could stay undefeated by, you know, fighting the kids on my block, but that isn't going to really bring me any pride. There's people that believe that. Like, they honestly believe just because they play trash. The perfect example, and I won't name names, But I used to coach the boys soccer team at the high school that I work at. And when they decided to switch coaches, they said, they're like, well, your record right now isn't that great. And I was like, 
We're playing the best teams in the state. We finish top five every year. We're playing really high competition. We're not beating them, but we're playing the best of the best. And then I told them, if you want, we could play garbage teams. It'll improve our record. And they're like, no, 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 we don't want that. That happens in sports. It happens with boxing where guys just fight only trash and then fight someone who's mediocre and try to hype them up as being amazing. Canelo has been fighting the best of the best for his weight class and then decided to move up a weight class, which is really hard to do. Like I probably weigh the same as you right now, but you're still way bigger than me. If we were to get into a (laughs) ring, just because we weigh the same doesn't mean that we're the same size. You're going to beat my ass. And that's what I kind of feel like Canelo flew too close to the sun, like Icarus and his wings melted, but now they're talking rematch. And I know everybody's excited for it. I am not. I I don't want to see my hero get beat again. You know what I mean? Like this is Casey at the bat. No, don't. Cool. He's going to get another bat tomorrow, but he's facing the same pitcher. I don't want to see it. I don't want to see my hero get beat again. And B-Ball said that he could comfortably come down to 168 and fight for all of Canelo's belts. So that was an interesting twist. There was also an interesting twist that I just read. I didn't hear it, but I did read that he said afterwards in his locker room, Canelo said he thought he did enough to win the fight and that B-Ball only won, uh, you know, four or five rounds. I was just happy he didn't be like, "Uh, I was robbed. That was 10 rounds to two. I won, you know, for sure. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. Like Teofimo. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. You know, he's... He sure. wasn't doing the uh, the T.O. math, so that's good. <laughs> the T.O. Uh, math. <laughs> that's a new term. Hashtag yeah. T.O. math. <laughs> yeah, I, I lost for the first time in my life. Now I think I should be able to go for undisputed at the uh, at the next weight class. That makes sense, right? Uh, no, it doesn't. Uh, it sounds stupid. Uh, yeah. But yeah, you know, we've already talked about what Canelo didn't do. I, I want to throw a bouquet at Dimitri Bivol. Like, oh, he for sure. Came in with a, came in with a game plan, mm-hmm. executed it beautifully, uh, had a, a brilliant post-fight interview that, uh, you know, if, if they're going to do the rematch, sure, but maybe treat me like the champion that I am. He wants a little more money. When you're going, when you're the one with the belt on the line, you should walk second, dude. Like, that's, I get it that Canelo's the bigger star, but Canelo's going for his belt. B-Ball should get to walk second. It just seems right to me. You know, Maybe for if, the second they, fight. Yeah. Well, if they do this again, I would, I would, if I'm B-ball, I'll be like, no, I'm, I'm walking out second for sure. And you're announcing me second and you're going to get Michael Buffer. Like the, these are my <laughs> list of demands. I want, you know, a big sandwich, uh, Michael Buffer and to walk out second. Yeah. It was a, definitely a, a good fight, two wonderful fighters going at it. And one guy's got to lose. One guy's got to win. It was a treat to just see two top tier dudes go at it. Yeah, I think the only thing that as far as post fight goes, the only thing that really left a bad taste in my mouth was all these other asshole boxers that all of a sudden start chirping. And, oh, yeah, you know, Canelo didn't do this. And oh, Canelo looked like that and blah, blah. Shut the fuck. Like, who are you fighting? Ryan Garcia? Who are you fighting? Jermel Charlo? Who are you fighting? Everybody else who's ducking everybody else like All these dudes have been ducking each other nonstop. They see the king get bumped off the throne and all of a sudden they all start piling on and it's like, slow down. Like maybe when you do something, if, if it was Loma who said it, I'm going to listen respectfully. But when it's all these other little punk ass boxers that don't fight the other top tier guys, you want me to respect you fight the other top tier guys. Stop talking about it. Stop running and stop tweeting, you know, 
Twitter fingers turn to trigger fingers. Where's the trigger finger part? Like that's what I'm, it's more like trigger fingers turn to Twitter fingers. That's what we've got. Unfortunately, come on, like step it up, stop talking about it and be about it. That's if anything, maybe the other guys see this, they see the Bavals kind of, you know, taking on the best and they see what kind of rewards they can reap from that. They see Amanda Serrano and Katie Taylor, the best of the best go up against each other and they make bank and everybody loses their minds over it. Maybe now all these other guys will do that too, instead of just chirping about it. Yeah, they won't. Uh, (laughs) You know what I mean? Like we'll get Charlo versus Castaño too next week. And that will be a great fight. Mm -hmm. And supposedly we're going to get Errol Spence versus Terrence Crawford. Terrence Crawford put up that he expects to be moved up to pound for pound. Number one. Oh, Jesus. I think he's good, but I don't think he's top five. So I think that that's, ridiculous benavidez and charlo are fighting good boxers (laughs) yeah but they should be fighting each other it's it's absolutely ridiculous nobody wanted to fight andre so he had to move up you know it's this is why i'd rather watch canelo lose than either those dudes just take on a good boxer if you're going to call yourself great take on great competition you know amen they say you can't play boxing, and we prove them wrong every week on our segment called Playing Boxing. We got the uh, the pay-per-view over at your house, Franco, and there were some fun fights on that undercard. I thought our guy, uh, Montana Love, I thought he actually lost, and that was the co-main event uh, right before Bival Alvarez. Again, it seemed weird that all three judges agreed that it was 114-112. It didn't seem right. You know, the fight started out kind of gangbusters where Valenzuela was down in the first round and then Montana Love went down in the second round. And then they uh, both just decided to pace themselves after that. And (laughs) it was a nice way. That's a nice way of putting that they stopped fighting for the next four rounds. (laughs) It wasn't wonderful after that. I still felt like uh, Valenzuela was doing enough to win. 114-112, I'm not going to bitch about that because all three judges saw it as as, uh, being very close. I just thought that it went the other way. I did enjoy uh, Shakram Giasov. Did I see that one? Yes, you did. Uh, It's the guy who was fighting Christian Gomez. Oh, yeah. He put Gomez down in uh, the fourth, the seventh, and the tenth. Yeah. Um, (laughs) And Gomez, God bless his heart, he wanted it. You know, he had all the want it, but the speed just isn't there. It was 12 and 0 versus 22, 2 and 1. So this was a, a good step up for uh, Giasov, if I'm saying that right, because Gomez was making him earn this victory. There was a couple times where Gomez had actually landed some good shots. And I, I wouldn't say necessarily hurt him, but you could see that he felt it, that he was woken up. Let's say that. Yeah, the, the one knockdown I didn't even think was a knockdown until we saw the replay, it looked like it was a slip. And then they showed the replay from a different angle. And right. he caught poor, poor Gomez just caught this brutal uppercut to the face. And uh, yeah, it was very clearly a knockdown. That was, it was a really fun fight. I thought Giasov, I was impressed with how good he was. It was, it was definitely a fun one. Now for me, the most exciting knockdown slash knockout was the very beginning of the fight where they rolled out old uh, Zalei Zhang to beat up on uh, Alexander. Holy crap, that knockout was sick. Yeah, Zhang Zhao, uh, how he prefers it to be uh, said. Oh, that's right, the flippo. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, 
I've, I've been uh, asked to call people weirder things than uh, just by their last name first. So uh, Zhang Zhao looked incredible for the one minute and six seconds this time uh, this fight lasted. Yeah. Uh, Scott Alexander, I don't know whether it was just happenstance or just whether this was really happening, but it, the way it looked like to me, you can correct me if I'm wrong. It looked like when he hit his back, he was staring at the ref and like did not blink where he was almost the look said to me, don't even start counting. I ain't getting up from this shit. That hurt a lot. <laughs> like, don't, don't even bother, dude. I took this fight on eight days notice and I don't want the eight count, you know, like I will, I want nothing to do with it. Like it looked like count, uh, I will get up and kick your ass. I've only got a minute and six uh, of a fight under these legs. So I probably can beat your ass. If anything, it looked like he was looking at the ref and somebody in the 200 section. <laughs> his eyes totally crossed when he hit that mat. It was not a good look on his face. And uh, just to rewind a little bit, I think the most annoying part of the night was uh, not only Montana Love ruining my parlay that wouldn't have hit anyway because I had my parlay also included Canelo, but his stupid dog and his ring walk. He had some dude in a Gucci shirt who was rapping, and then he brought his dog out with him, and he's just making stupid faces with this super long walk. I kept praying the whole time that dog would piss all over that Gucci. Uh, (laughs) I wanted, I wanted the dog to just shit in that guy's hand or take a piss all over his, his clothes. Uh, but it didn't come through for me. I, I said it the last time Montana fought, I'm a a fan of animals, but you don't, you don't need it at the boxing match with you, dude, leave that at home. I'm sure you made enough money in this fight to kennel it for the day. Uh, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like I, I don't need that shit. Well, and also it's, if anything for me, Montana Love is becoming a really good heel. He's just a a good guy for people to boo, but it's almost like he's playing it up because there was definitely a lot of booing in that fight from the lack of action and just from neither guy really throwing in that fight a lot. And the crowd just booed. They booed from rail to rail for that fight. They didn't like the fight. They didn't like the ring walk. So it it felt kind of good because I'm sitting there thinking, well, maybe it's me. Maybe I'm a jerk. And then no, no, just Nobody likes Montana Love, including the people in the venue. So now I don't feel as bad about it. But otherwise, yeah, I thought the card was good. You know, we had Mark Castro with his giant teeth. It's a good looking dude, but his yeah, teeth are. I, I can't believe that he's ever been punched in the face with teeth that gorgeous. There, <laughs> I think we've talked about it every time Mark Castro's on there because it really is unbelievable when you see those teeth. They're just, they are big, but they're gorgeous. Like yeah. uh, people pay big, big bucks to have teeth like that. And he's just putting a mouth guard in to, to protect them. Doesn't see, doesn't seem right. I think he paid big money for those teeth. That's why they look like that. They're, you think I would so? Love, Maybe. I would love to find out that they're real because those things are, they're piano keys. They're enormous, yeah. but yeah, good for him. And uh, you know, he got a win fun to see him winning also uh weird sponsorship placement he had all white trunks and then just Michelob Ultra across the front of his shorts it looked like he peeled a beer label off the bottle and just glued it onto the front of his shorts it might have been like he might have been drinking beforehand and then yeah. just some garbage got stuck on him you need water to hydrate Franco and that's uh what Michelob Ultra <laughs> is so he was just trying to stay hydrated maybe that's what they were using in the corner who knows yeah now what do we have coming up next week Next week, Franco, we have Charlo Castaño 2. I'm looking forward to that one. I think 
that Castaño did enough in the first one to get the nod, but they called it a draw, so they're going to redo it. It's for the undisputed 154-pound championship. That'll be fun. But before we get to that, Franco, we get a visit from an old friend. Uh, Angel Acosta is fighting on Thursday night. So I'm going to tune in and watch that on the uh, Thursday night fights out there in Indio, California. So definitely looking forward to seeing Angel Acosta again. Last time he fought on a top rank card, he got cut and he couldn't continue. And he was like pleading to keep going because he knew he was down on the cards at the time, but he was just starting to get some success. And then the cut stopped him. He's like, I know if they go to the cards, I'm losing. So it'll be nice to see him back in the ring. You know, beyond that, uh, next weekend, I don't know who's on those undercards, but we'll be here to uh, to break it all down and give you the best in boxing. You know, that's what we do. We're the uh, we're here for the punch maniacs. Punchaholics. I still like punchaholics better. <laughs> the fact well, that it's based off of a disease. That's <laughs> because you're a jerk. You know what I mean? Uh, I've been saying my prayers and eating my vitamins. So, uh, you know what I mean? I got the punch maniacs ready. Yeah, I don't know what else you got, Franco, but I'm throwing in the towel. Thank you for listening to Punches and Punchlines. Make sure to like, subscribe, and follow. And we'll see you next week when we break down the best in boxing with a sense of humor.